listening to What We Do in Elysium, your source for news, strategy, and discussion for Vampire the Masquerade Rivals card game. Welcome, welcome to another episode. I am your host, Alex. And I'm your other host, Colin. How are you doing tonight? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. We are. Uh, this is my last episode for my current uh, studio space, uh, aka my my office. I'm moving and so packing, but uh, excited to sit down and, and talk some cards. Yeah, yeah. Um, tonight's episode is we're going to be talking about the city deck. What might be the first of many city decks? If I think some rumors out there, there there might be. So this city deck is focused on mm-hmm. San Francisco. So I think that opens up some design space for the future for them to have like different city decks for actual theme cities like Chicago, New York, stuff like that. I think that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, it, it's it lets them play around with theme a little bit, play around with. Uh, mechanics a little bit which is cool um you know some of these cards definitely reference san francisco like we have a san francisco fog or alcatraz you know so i am excited to see what they do in the future too definitely um what i really like about the city deck is just the the pvpve element that it adds to the game i think that's very unique uh, it's it's what one of the main things that drew me into actually trying the game at all. Um, and it's definitely been a very unique, random element that gets thrown into the game. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, a lot of times a shared deck in, in any sort of game, board game or, or card game or whatever, you know, it's like either it'll be, you know, stuff you can buy like in um, in, a, in a game like, you know, a deck building game or whatever you have the row of cards in the middle you can buy or it'll be like a random event you know but this is kind of like all of it right it's like something that fights against you is something you can interact with and gives you benefits and it's random events right it's it's kind of like they they blended all three of them which makes it real really interesting in practice i think yeah and i think that blending is worked out very well um other than one part of it none of it really feels super oppressive and we'll get into that hint hint it's prince um (laughs) um, but yeah the rest of it's very cool the the citizens that stay out there many different ways to interact them with many different decks that are out there right now you can want them as retainers you can want to just gobble them up uh there's lots of ways to interact with it it's really cool yeah, and, and even when your deck is not built around interacting with the city deck, right? Like, obviously, you know, a plaything that wants to attach citizens is certainly going to be focused on the deck. But even if you're not, you know, you can still pick up a couple points from citizens or, you know, maybe an event will, will help you or hinder you. So, uh, you know, you don't necessarily have to build your whole game around it, but it, you still have to have to, you know, think about it while you're playing, which is, which is cool. It's a nice balance, I think. Yeah, you're never going to probably ever be able to just straight up ignore the city deck whether it's because your opponent cares about it more than you do or there's just things out there that can harm you actively it's it's something you always have to think about yeah exactly exactly so So let's get into the first card type of the city deck and that is the citizen um yeah so they're all mortal retainers they all have three blood and is it blood po- i don't think it's blood potency for these cards i think it's just health i'm not actually sure what the I, game term for these yeah is called. yeah yeah i don't know what it's <laughs> called uh they but you i know you have to deal free damage to them in one attack to defeat them so whatever you want to call that health or uh you know weakness or uh, whatever it is <laughs> uh they'll always give you one agenda when defeated and then where it gets a little different, well, they'll also all, if you choose to burn them, they'll all give you three blood points back. Um, but where it mainly differs is they all give you a different little effect when you attach them. And that's where things can definitely get a lot of fluid between game to game, depending on what comes out. So which one, which type do you want to go over first? Um, so let's, we can talk about the, there's three of them, 
that give you attributes, uh, one for each, right? One physical, one social, one mental. Mm -hmm. um, and so those are probably the most obvious to, you know, to, to, to want, because if you get, you know, Hydra with, with the athlete, which gives you another physical or Leashway with another social, you know, all of a sudden they have three in that stat. That's really strong. <laughs> um, yes. You know, so so those are kind of the ones that are, I think, the most straightforward. Yeah, those are the most, uh, they have the most obvious effects on the board state. It's just, you know, stats on the board. You can see it plainly. Um, there's not really much else to go into those ones. Uh, I like the next ones. Uh, these are the ones that give you a discipline and one extra health for your, whatever vampire attaches it. So there's one that will give one celerity and a blood uh, health. And then the other one that is dominate and uh, blood health. See, we're getting discipline names right now. Yeah, we're getting better. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and those are also two disciplines that, you know, come up a lot on attacks and stuff. So those are nice disciplines to have. Yeah, and they're also disciplines that I think, at least I know it's for sure for Lightning Strike. Um, wasn't there the one uh, vampire, Yusuf? They, they count the number of disciplines, right? Uh, yeah, there's at least... Uh, there's at least a couple cards that that do that. Um, I I think the fleetness. I think the defense gives you plus gives you shields for every celerity mm -hmm. you have, right? So so skateboarder gives you more shields for that. Um, so yeah, so getting getting extra of those stats is also potentially good. Mm -hmm. Do you want to go over the next uh, yeah, next so type? Yeah, so the last the last citizen gives you again a discipline. Uh, in this case, it's aspects and presence, and they also draw you a card. Um, so again, you know, you, you get the discipline and you draw the card. For me, these the, I mean the disciplines in general, but particularly these two, uh, it's a little harder to build around aspects and presence. If it's not like it's it's kind of a nice bonus, right? Because you're not going to build around those. If you don't already have them in your on your right. vampires, uh, because I, I think a lot of the aspects and, and presence are, are kind of more utility stuff. You know, like you can draw cards or or get some influence or whatever. Um, and so those are cards you're probably only going to include if you already have that. So you know, again, sometimes it can be nice, right? Like if you didn't find those vampires or whatever. But but it's a little bit more situational to me than than the other two disciplines. Yeah, the these two types. Um, well, one type rather. These are the ones that I find myself contemplating burning the most, and I think that's more like you said. The these disciplines are ones that you probably already have enough of in your coterie, and drawing one card while drawing cards is always a good thing to do. There's plenty of it elsewhere, whereas mending three right away that can be really good uh, to hold off other effects and stuff like that. So. Of yeah, all the citizen types, I think these are the ones that I would probably be more likely just to gobble up for the healing. Yeah, well, right, and and in some ways you can look at mending three as almost three cards, right? Like obviously that's yeah. not exactly true because a card might be better than, than mending, but you know it does take three cards to mend three blood. So yeah, as a baseline, that's how you can think of it. So you're essentially almost up two cards if you if you go that route. Yeah, and and the one other thing I will say about citizens is. Uh, Against some deck, against Toreador in particular, right? If you're playing against a, a a deck that has playthings, burning them, even if you're not getting the full three, is not a bad plan because they've got ways to steal. And we we saw one in the in the preview cards yesterday. We saw another uh, another yep. one, right. So burning them and getting them out of the way, uh, it, you know, even those attributes ones, right? Like you may think, oh, I'll just get that attribute and that'll make me safer. But if they steal it from you, that can be pretty bad. So. Yeah, yeah, I've I've done that play a couple times. Uh, it's also worth noting uh, from a rules standpoint, if you attach them and then like in the future have a way to burn them off of a vampire, you do not get that burn uh, effect. That is only when they are initially defeated. Yes, that is a good point. And, and you can actually burn them off of you at any time. Um, 
you know, so because, you know, you can only have three attachments, but like if you already have three citizens, you can burn one on you to attach another one uh, if you want to. You Like you said, you don't get any benefit from burning it. You don't mend or anything, but you can always, you can always attach a citizen by making room for it, in, in other words. Yeah. Yeah. You won't ever really be lo- locked out of anything like that. Not like titles where that can exactly. kind of get a little weird. Exactly. Okay, um, so the next type, and these are probably the most valuable ones, at least I would say so. What, do you, what would you say? I think they're the most consistently valuable. Yeah, I think that's a good, yeah. a good. Uh And that's the Vagrants. Uh, so this is just a mortal retainer. It is not a citizen, so anything that uh, triggers off of citizens will not apply. Two health, uh, zero agenda, and when defeated, choose one burn uh this one's just for two health and uh you attach him and then he has the ability exhaust the vagrant prevent one damage to this character so just good old straight up damage mitigation yep and keeping in mind too that that ability can be used on anything it can be used on aggravated damage it can be used um you know if 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 you're playing prince it can be it can be used anytime you're taking damage basically it's not not to pay a cost, right? Like if you have to pay a blood, you can't. The vagrant can't help you with that. But anytime you would take damage, you can exhaust vagrant to. Yep. Do so, yeah. Strong. As as someone who played the Toreador deck a lot um, for season zero, I I was always happy to see a vagrant. It was the best thing ever. <laughs> right. Um, when you when you have vagrants, you cannot care about sad which is nice. There were, there were a couple of games I've played where, oh, I have one or two vagrants. I'm just going to leave Sad out there and let you deal with them. Um, that's that's one of my favorite plays to do. Yeah, definitely. I think that's actually part of what makes Vagrant so strong is, in, you know, in, in a matchup where maybe neither one of you is going to be super aggressive, being able to just not worry about Sad and force your opponent to deal with them is, is pretty good. Yep. Um, so that's the Vagrant. And, well, speaking of sad, talk about them next. Uh, these are the guys with guns coming after you. Yes. Um, so Special Affairs Division, a.k.a. sad. Four health, one agenda. Uh, they are a mortal antagonist, and they're ongoing, which means they will not leave. Which is interesting, because none of the other citizens or anything have ongoing. So I wonder why that... Well, so you can, get, you can get rid of them with Sheriff. Ah, right. Right. I say I don't play Sheriff a ton, so that's why I didn't know that one. Okay, um, so when defeated, gain one agenda, and then you discard this. Uh, not burn... Uh, you don't have the option to burn it normally, like through regular damage. It would have to be through another effect. Um, but at the end of your turn, deal one aggravated damage to a character in your coterie not protected by secrecy, and it also inherently has plus one intel that stacks with other instances of sad because there are four of them in the deck. Yes. Um, so yeah, there's a so before we before we kind of talk about you know strategies and and interacting within the game, there's a couple different rules things I just want to make sure we get out there right. So you kind of mentioned the first one, right? They they are discarded not burned which means they will get shuffled back in the city deck if it runs out during the game um second thing they deal aggravated damage and i think you can say from experience don't forget about that because <laughs> they deal the last point of damage to it to one of your characters to one of your vampires they're gone for good yes i can say that from very very vivid experience well i think it was the first first in-person time we played multiplayer I think maybe three out of the four sad came out on at least everyone's first turn. Yeah. And yeah, I, I lost a vampire. Like it luckily it was, I think it was only like a three cost or something like that. So it was yeah. fine. He did his job, but yeah, that was rough. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so then the last thing, and this is probably not going to come up nearly as much, but keep in mind that, right. They have to be, you have to deal the damage to somebody who's not protected by secrecy. So if you have a secrecy boost somehow, right. If you have the keeper, um and there's only one sat out you have to like and you have somebody in the streets you have to put it on somebody in the streets right uh, again right. not something that's going to come up a lot but just something to uh make sure you're aware of that or or 
if you know if you have that if you have the prince um, and everybody else is protected by secrecy, they'll shoot the prince. So again, just things to a couple of rules things. Okay, now we can talk about strategies. So, how do you deal with sad? Smack him upside the head. <laughs> yeah, that's um, strategy. Yeah, that's probably the most straightforward one. Um, there's a couple other ways, uh, namely, is it royal retreat that can toss him? Yes. Okay, so yeah, royal retreat. That's the haven that just says. Uh, I think I don't remember the full text, but it's essentially discard some city card on the field and draw a new one. Yeah, I think it's discard any mortal. If I mortal, got it. Yep. Um, and then you had mentioned as well sheriff, so that would be a way to get rid of him through a title. Yes. Yeah. So I think in general, you your deck has to have some kind of plan for dealing with sad. Um, yeah. You know, or, or game plan around him. Some of them, like like if you're Bruja, a lot of the time your game plan is just let them sit out there, uh, because chances are you'll be able to get vagrants because other people will be scared to go out in the in the streets, and so you can protect, and then it just helps put more pressure on your opponent, right? Yeah, they're actively pushing your win con for you, which is just deal as much damage as you can. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you also have probably the potential to do some big damage because they, they are four blood. So, like, they're not easy to defeat. Even, uh, you know, even any two and attribute character needs a decent amount of help, right? Like, I think there's only, in the quarter set, I think there's only two vampires that can that can uh, defeat a sad without any attack any like attack cards or any other cards right uh inmate can and uh bella Ooh. can if, if her flip hits right yeah if she flips if she flips the right card right yeah yeah without without some sort of help they're not going to go down just with any of your characters uh so for something like toriador you're looking for things like beauty is a beast uh or leashway herself any combination of those um, you could potentially just knock them out with uh, with a regular attack without having to expend further resources. Um, but otherwise, you're, you're going to need some sort of help to take them out. So you do need that game plan ready to go. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and sometimes like Royal Retreat is a really good, I think that's part of what makes that Haven so strong is just the ability to get rid of, of Sad because... You know, if you're a deck that doesn't want to go out to the streets, maybe doesn't want to attack as much, you know, getting rid of sad so that you don't have to spend your other resources dealing with them is is good. Yeah, and Royal Retreat also has that uh, kind of secondary bonus of filtering filtering the city deck for Prince, which most of the times is what you're looking for. Yeah. Um, and, and so... You know, the other thing is keep in mind if if you think you might be trying to attack sad, it's like obviously if you're playing Hunt the Hunters, you know, but but any any deck that is gonna stay in the streets and deal with the city deck a lot, like you probably wanna have at least a few attacks that can deal with sad. Um, so that's where kneecapped and baseball bat I think are are kind of shine is if you think you might be attacking sad because as a reminder, baseball bat deals an extra damage to City deck mortals, so with any of those two physical vampires, you can you can kill a sad and then kneecapped lets anybody at the cost of, you know, an extra card you have to discard, but it's four damage to sad, right? So so kneecapped is kind of the any any vampire can take out a sad if you're running that. So Yeah, kneecapped cards. was uh came out as a very obviously strong card for Malkavian because obviously they don't wanna ever really play around in the streets so that's a good one-off uh defensive card for them yes yep um and and Malkavian also has the uh i forget what exactly what it's called but basically the redirect to damage distraction maybe redirect yeah bad damage, yeah. right yeah so, that's a good one too um yeah i mean i think in general sad is like we said something you have to have a plan for and sometimes like in our game like in that first game we were talking about Sometimes, like, three of them are going to come out in the first four turns, and it's going to be a weird game, you know? <laughs> um, so they're, they're kind of swingy like that. They're not, I don't think they're crazy swingy, but swingy in terms of uh, how the game plays is very different, right? It's not necessarily that having three, three sad come out early 
gives a player a particular advantage sometimes, right? If you're playing Bruja, but, but a lot of times it's just, oh man, this is weird. We got to be real careful. We got to, we got to kind of, you know, pick and choose uh, our vampires carefully and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I think sad is probably one of the cards that will be a major catalyst for making deals especially if it's very early in the game and there's so much sad out there that, you know, players want to say, you know, I'm going to attack this sad a couple times and I won't attack you. If you help me, you know, try to thin them out. If there's multiple copies, because like we said earlier, you can't split the damage Delta sad or any of the citizens for that matter. Uh, it has to all be in one go. So I could definitely see that causing some uh, temporary alliances and stuff like that. Yeah. That's actually a really good point uh, that I hadn't, I hadn't really thought of, but yeah, in a multiplayer game, sad do offer a really good you know chance for opportunity for deal making is hey i'll deal with this sad if you do whatever for me thing so right yep yeah there'll always be someone who is at (laughs) who it's not a good time for (laughs) yes just straight up not having a good time right now yes uh okay so yeah that was sad um next is the big one and that's prince so Prince is a weird one, and I'm still not 100% sure how I feel about it. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, uh, so, yeah, let's let's talk about... Well, so Prince is also... It's the only card in the city deck. Well, that's, I guess that's not entirely true, because Sad has a, a rule step. But Prince is the only card in the city deck that has an entire action devoted to it, right? It has, it's, it's it has, half, it has half of a page of the rule book devoted to it. Exactly. <laughs> it is obviously a big deal. Uh, you know, so what does it do? So it's a title and it comes out of the city deck. Um, when, so you put it out there and you can't just say, Oh, I'm taking this. Here I go. I'm attaching it to this person. You have to declare that you want to claim the Prince of the city with one of your vampires. And basically what that does is it puts a big old target on your back and anyone else at the table uh, can attack you or the, attack the claimant, rather, uh, to basically prevent you from claiming that title. Now, why would everyone want to do that? Because this title is very strong. So it sets the character who attaches its secrecy to zero, and that's absolute. It's always zero. Uh, then the character has plus two influence, and then at the start of your turn, gain one prestige and one agenda. Yep. That's it. <laughs> and that's it, and that's all it needs to do. Yes. Um, so yeah, a couple notes uh, again, because because like you said, there's a half page of rules. So uh, when you claim it on your turn, uh, you cannot play any defense cards against any attacks. Uh, right. Only your rival though can play an attack card. Everybody else is just straight attributes. Right. Um, and they do and it cannot to... be blocked. Yes. Also important. Right. They it cannot be blocked on on during that claiming action. Um, you do actually take the damage, right? So it's not just like, oh, we'll see if I fight. Like, you know, even if you're not defeated, you still take the damage. Um, what else? Oh, it, uh, they have to exhaust still. So, you know, if, if all your opponent's characters are exhausted. Um, that's, that's a good time to claim. <laughs> claim France. Yeah, but they do they do get to stay in the party uh, because they're even if people are exhausted, it's kind of it's kind of a weird exception because they're it's not their turn parties can't move around and so like everybody who's in their party when they exhaust to make that attack they can use those disciplines for you know their attack cards or party abilities or whatever um and you you can attack the claimant from anywhere you do not have to be in the streets yes also also important right so so yeah that you know there's there's kind of a whole a whole set of stuff the rules i think the rules do a pretty good job um you know talking through most of it by and showing examples but so that being said um like you kind of said earlier the swingiest card so i'm i'm interested to hear your opinions on on prince especially in in 1v1 and then maybe you know maybe we can talk about prince in 1v1 and then prince in multiplayer because i feel like it's it's pretty different how it plays yes it's it's very different um so i like I like the general idea of it because 
as someone who dabbles in like control decks a lot of times i like putting my opponent on a timer and it's literally what this does because you're gaining your victory points every single turn for just having the title um so it puts your it puts your opponent on a clock so now not only do they need to try and win the way they want to win they also have to now be forced to stop you from winning just from claiming this so i think that's a really cool effect um where i'm still iffy on is how just the high variance of what prince does to the game versus games you don't see prince and this became really apparent in the the online league is a lot of people were saying you know the game was going fine blah 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 and then prince came out and i lost <laughs> like I'm sure this will change a little bit once we get some more expansions out and stuff like that. There'll be more effects um, to mess with attack defense and stuff like that. Um, it's just, yeah, they one of the rules that it hasn't been made, I don't know if it's been made official or not yet, it's actually something I meant to ask one of the mats, and I just haven't yet for Gen Con, is they did the rule with the Season Zero League where you take Prince out of the deck do the setup with the city deck and then shuffle it back in. So it's not always going to come up turn one because yeah. that happened a couple times. Yeah. Um, so yeah. What, what do you think about it? Yeah, I think kind of like you said, it, it can be very swingy. I think, I think it's probably people got, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to say an unfair um, view of it because it's still swinging now, but I do think that in that season zero environment, there were some decks that just didn't have any tools to deal with it. You know, For like sure. Their opponent took it, right? Um, especially once Bruja lost Sucker Punch, right? Because at that point, your opponent basically just needs two blockers and you'll never be able to take Prince off of them. Um, so stuff like Sucker Punch, stuff like, you know, the ranged attacks and, you know, and everything. I, I think that there are a few more tools to deal with Prince than there were in that. Um, but I think the biggest reason that Prince is so strong and swingy is that, I mean, obviously, it's like you said, it's a clock, but it also gets you a prestige, which doesn't sound like a ton until you realize it makes it almost impossible to lose from prestige drain. Right. And prestige drain is one of the better ways to kind of win from behind in a way i think right like you don't you know even if your opponent has more stronger vampires than you and more agenda but you you know you play some of those prestige drain attacks like you can kind of win even though on the board you're not in as good of a state and and prince just kind of says okay you're not going to do that anymore right yeah I, I agree with that and prestige drain is one of the definitely i would say one of the more popular decks that people have been building in the constructed environment so would you say that it could probably lose the gain one prestige and just be gain one agenda see at that point though i think it's almost not good enough um but i don't i don't know how to balance it in between right um this is definitely a, a card where i'm interested to see how they or if they change it going forward i i it would be interesting if maybe it had an ability instead of just automatically gaining a prestige, you have to like exert some influence or something. I mean, obviously in this case with the two influence that makes it easy, but you know, you know, like in general make you have to pay some kind of cost or, you know, discard a card or something, you know, I don't know something. I do kind of um, like that idea because then, so you have, you have that floating influence and say you're playing a, a scheme deck or a title deck or something like that. You have that extra influence to use towards your, your decks, win condition that you were already playing for or if for whatever reason that's not working out you can spend that influence to just get some agenda points and kind of almost like a consolation prize for like oh your deck's not not firing how it should be use this to kind of bolster it up so that i actually that's an interesting idea i hadn't thought of yeah so i'll be I'll, like i said i'll be real curious to see you know what they do with it in the future if it if they change it all because this is i think it is important to know i mean Obviously, we, we we don't know anything yet, right? But this is specifically Prince of the City of San Francisco. Right, yep. So, 
it, you know, it certainly opens up the opportunity for, for other princes to do, you know, have slightly different effects. Um, the, I think the other thing I will say is it's all, it's this prince. I, the one thing I like about it being really strong, which I think it'll always be strong, right? Because I mean, <laughs> one thing, it's the prince of the city title. It's, it's like what you're fighting over thematically. It should be good. Um, and there's a heavy potential cost to trying to take it, right? Is, is taking damage. But I like that it's strong because it, it does encourage or it, it gives a reason for attacking cards, even in decks that otherwise might not want any, right? Like, um, as somebody who plays, who has played a decent amount of titles, if Prince didn't exist, I mean, obviously, if Prince didn't exist, titles wouldn't be as good because it's a title. But if Prince didn't exist, I don't know that I would have any attack cards in my deck. <laughs> you know, like I mean, I, I, that's kind of a, that's kind of an exaggeration because picking off students or picking off students, picking off citizens is never a bad idea to get a few points. But I mean, if like I, the downside of including only a handful of attacks is much lower. If, if I don't have to worry about trying to take out an opponent's prince, you know, I don't know that I ever want to attack because I can just get I can get press to each other or get agenda other ways so i do like that part of it yeah that's a good point and it's i hadn't thought of it that way either because i was also playing a lot of uh title decks so it's a shoe in but it's it's kind of like sad where you always need to plan for sad where you should always have something to plan for prince too right and i, I think that's also probably a good way a good way of thinking about it and a good way of sort of illustrating why it's swingier right because like you always need to have a plan for sad but there's four out of them out of 23 cards right so you always know you're probably are almost definitely going to see at least one you're probably going to see two over the course of a game you know and sometimes you'll see three or four whereas prince like there's just one out of those 23 cards so it's a little harder to to plan around even though it's strong enough you need to have some kind of plan yeah. And then in uh I I think we've both been speaking about this from a more one v one standpoint. Um but in, in multiplayer I don't feel as um conflicted about it, I guess I could say. I, I think it's definitely a lot more fairer in multiplayer, obviously because there are more potential attackers versus the claimant. And uh yeah, it just feels a lot better that way. Not to say it feels like super bad in one v one it can lead to some feel bad moments, um, but it yeah. feels a lot better in multiplayer. Yes. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I think in the few, in a few multiplayer games I've played, like I've, I've seen one game where I think Prince went, it went unclaimed twice around the board. <laughs> wow. Um, which was a little unusual, but I mean, part of it was, I think like I was really, I wanted to claim it, but I, I only had two vampires at that point and I was I was basically under prestige drain and so, you know it's just one of those things where like I couldn't I couldn't guarantee myself being safe um, because it's not just obviously you have more people attacking you but also after you claim it you now have three people taking turns before you get to go again right, right. so even even if nobody attacked you when you claimed it, there's three people who can swing at you, you know, potentially, right? And so that's where I think, I think Prince and multiplayer, you need to be able to make deals around it. And that's something that I, I, at least personally, I haven't done a lot of in multiplayer. So, you know, that's where like, hey, I'm, I'm in last play. I'm not your rival. Let me claim Prince. Don't attack me. And, you know, because you want me to have Prince rather than, you know, whoever. So right. like, let, don't attack me and, and let me take Prince. And so that way, you know, we both benefit. Stuff like that, right? I think that's where in multiplayer, good deal makers are probably going to be able to play with Prince a lot better than, you know, other people. Yeah, it, for me, it would have to almost be your situation, like you said, like you'd have to be last place and like not my rival for me to let you take Prince. <laughs> right. Okay. Um. Well, yeah, we'll probably talk more about prints and specific strategies for claiming and, and keeping it because keeping it's what important um, yes. in the future. Um, but now is these are probably 
what makes the city deck most unique because this is what actually gets randomized is the events. So in the in the total city deck, there are 10 events. And when you set up the city deck, you actually uh, randomly remove four of them. So uh, that's part of uh, everything else always stays the same. The the citizens, sad prince, that always stays the same. But the events can be different uh, each time by taking out those four cards. And And those four are face down, too. So, you know, you you don't don't know know what they are. What's in the deck? Yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. I think it's a neat randomization event. Um, Again, that PvPVE element that I that got drawn me to the game. Um, So we're not going to go over all 10 of the events, but we're going to go over a couple that definitely can change the flow of someone's turn uh, very abruptly. (laughs) And so the first one is wandering the Bart tunnels. And oh, for events to uh, a rules thing, there are one off events that just fire immediately. They do something and then they get discarded. And then you also have your ongoing events and those stay on the board until it comes back to the person's turn who drew it and then it gets discarded. Yeah, yeah. And so to to mark that, you usually put uh, a prestige of your color from your general supply. You don't have to pay your personal. Right. Um, but it's, it's it, that's not really important. The important part is just a marker that reminds you that at the beginning of your turn, it goes away. Yeah, it doesn't it does not have to be one of your actual tokens. Like if you're low on tokens, it, it's it doesn't have to take away from you. It's just something that signifies to remember to remove it on the person who drew its turn. All right, so Wandering the Bart Tunnels, it's an ongoing event. Uh, each character not in their haven is a separate party. Now, in the core set, I was like, ah, whatever. But now that we have um, these new expansion characters that have all these different party abilities, this is probably going to be a lot more influential than it was previously. Yes, yes. Especially when you know, you're all out in the street and then your opponent flips this and suddenly that group of three or four thin bloods you had is now all split up. That's not, that's not going to be fun. That's not going to be a fun time for you. (laughs) Yeah. And it, it does work both ways. So if you have like offensive party abilities that you're relying on or anything like that, if you're, if you're playing a deck that likes to have all its vampires together in one party, it can be debilitating for both sides. Um, But I definitely think it's going to impact thin bloods more than anyone for, I think obvious reasons. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, that is, I think that is a good point. I mean, it's kind of the clear effects are defensive, right? Because, Oh man, now I can't block for this person I was planning on or whatever, but I have noticed the more it's come up is yeah. Like sometimes it does mess with your offense too. Cause you're like, well, no, I needed that, that discipline or that character to be able to play this, this attack card. Um, So I think it's, it's a little more, uh, I say, you know, balance in terms of balance between offense and defense, then I probably initially gave it credit for. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's wandering the Bart tunnels. Uh, do you want to go over the next one? Yeah. So the next one is meeting at Alcatraz. So this is a one-off event. So it, it fires and then it's burned immediately. Um, each player must move their leader to the streets unless they're in torpor. They become a separate party. The active player's leader does not return to their haven this turn, but other characters may join that party. So that's kind of a lot of text, but basically what it means is everybody's leaders go to the streets in their own party. Um, it's nice when this flips up on your turn because you can still, you, obviously you can't move your leader back, but like you can still move your vampires to join your leader's party. Um, this is one that is certainly better for the offense offensive player than the defense. Oh yeah. Yeah, just the fact that like you already mentioned, you're if you're the one that flips this, you basically get to dictate the playing field because it allows you to move your characters on your party uh, because you're the active player and normally uh, I don't think there are any other effects right now that let you manipulate parties not on your turn. Um but yeah it's almost it's almost the inverse of the Bart tunnels where it, it, but it also has that uh, additional force to move in. So if you're playing an aggro deck and this flips on your turn, you are a happy camper. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, And yeah, so a a well-timed meeting at Alcatraz can be 
very strong and sometimes it goes off and doesn't really do anything mm-hmm. it's, you know it's it's kind of it's kind of interesting that way all right uh the next one we have uh, this is another uh one-off event gallery opening each player may discard up to two cards for each discard they gain one prestige uh, now we've been talking a bunch about prestige drain decks and how they're out there. Uh, this could be something that uh, this actually did happen to me before where I was draining someone's prestige down and then this flipped up and it basically gave them another essentially two turns of life. If I remember correctly, um, that it might seem like a little bit too prestige, but if, if you're not draining, like, I mean, usually prestige drain decks. As far as I know, they can probably top out at two prestige a turn on average. Would yeah, you say? I think that's probably. Yeah, I think that's probably. I mean, like, yeah, yeah sure. Every once in a while, you're gonna get that crazy turn, but two prestige. If you're draining two prestige in a turn, you're probably doing pretty well. Yeah. So this can give you, uh, or you know, anyone on the uh, on the table, uh, an extra turn of life if if they're really down on money. Yeah, or, or, it's, or it's just extra money for recruitment. You know, who knows? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, sometimes sometimes it's like, man, you know, I've got I've got six prestige left, but I really want to play this four coster, but like, ooh, two is just really low. Oh, well, I can discard two, and, and so now that puts me at, you know, four left. Okay, that's good. I can play this extra vampire. Um You know, I th- I think it's it's bigger against prestige drain decks, but but certainly sometimes getting that extra recruitment money can be can be pretty important as well. Yeah. Okay, and then I know you wanted to go over the next one, so go for it. Yes. So so this one is one uh it's it's well, I'll read the event first. So it's the hunger, it's an ongoing. Um so first of all, it says vagrants in the streets award an agenda when defeated and and then separate separate text. Uh at the end of your turn, lose one prestige for each character in your coterie who is not at maximum blood. So it's kind of an interesting event, but the reason I brought it up was we finally, uh, in the last game I played, figured we out uh, we had been playing this wrong, timing wise. So at the end of your turn is a step that comes after uh, mending and before the antagonist step. So you do not have to suffer sad damage <laughs> and lose prestige from it. That is, that changes a lot about how you might potentially mend and play around this card. So I just wanted to throw that out there because that was something that we, you know, took us quite a few games before we kind of realized we had been playing it wrong. Yeah, I think now that you mentioned it, I might have initially played it wrong too because if if you play it the wrong way, which is sad first and then end of turn effects, you have to have some sort of damage mitigation or else you are going to lose at least one prestige. Um so yeah, I guess it's good that it works the the right way. Right. <laughs> or else that'd be yeah. that'd be pretty oppressive. Yeah, it, it's it's pretty brutal if you're playing it the other way. Um, I mean, it can still be pretty brutal either way, right? If if this flips if this this flips later in the game, and you've got you know three or four vampires out, you're playing a big coterie, and and they're all pinged a little bit. Oof, you know. Um, or sometimes you're playing Bruja with two vampires, and you're like, okay. So. <laughs> yeah, if if you're playing against someone that has a wide coterie or even three three vampires, all you need to do is put a couple damage on each of them. Obviously, that's hard to do in a single turn. Um, but if it's a multiplayer game, if, if I have I haven't played this in a multiplayer game, so I can't uh, speak to how damaging that is because it's an ongoing, so it's out there for at least you know however many players' turns that is. That could potentially be a lot of prestige loss but there aren't a ton of mending effects that will mend multiple characters for multiple blood so as long as you have a couple vampires pinged on the other side they'll probably at least lose one prestige right Um, and sometimes that's all you need yep so um so i think kind of the last thing i wanted to say about events which is so it's not really anything to do with mechanics but i really like thematically the events like they all they all seem very uh, tied into San Francisco, which I think is really cool, right? Like we've got Alcatraz, we've got you know the the San Francisco fog, Bart tunnels, um, cable car know, accident, cable car accident, right? Yeah, so <laughs> so they're they're tied into the city, which is cool. Uh, I'm really interested to see what they do with 
with events in the future because I think it offers some really cool. I mean, obviously effects. You know, you can you can kind of play around with effects and make effects fit a theme, but I do think that the thematically they they are nice and the art is pretty cool. Like it's kind of one of the things that distinguishes. Um, you know, I mean, not to, not to take anything away from like the citizen art, but like they're people mostly, right? Like that's the big. Um, you know the 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 drawing the the uh, dominant for you know picture, but these are all very San or a lot of them are very San Francisco y, you know, kind of thing. So anyway, I just I like I like the theme and and I'm 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 really excited to see what happens with other cities. You know, like like you said, Chicago, New York. I know I think they've been doing like a Miami um, stream of a game. Yeah, I know they just started that know. up. Yeah, so. I think we should. I think we could see some really kind of cool, cool events and and art and stuff in the future because you know we haven't really talked about about theme very much yet so far in this podcast, but it is something that at least I notice. I don't know how much you pay attention to the theme, um, <laughs> you know, but that sounded bad. I didn't mean it that way. You know, I just it's not something we've talked about you and I. So yeah and i just i just noticed myself actually that uh a lot of these events have flavor text on them and one of the events is chinese new year and i never noticed that there was uh i don't know if that's mandarin or uh whatever written language that is but it's in a uh, foreign language but i i just translated it out of my smartphone it says happy new year oh, <laughs> so nice. that's pretty good that's pretty good theming yeah so uh all right well yeah that was our overview of the city deck uh, it, it, like I said, it's pretty straightforward, but it's it's a really cool mechanic for a card game. Uh, I, like I said before, I, I've always enjoyed the kind of blending of your usual competitive card game mechanics with what you'd probably find more in like a board game or something like that. So this is this is definitely one of those uh, gems of the game to spotlight. Yeah, for sure. It's it's kind of one of the unique things in the game, right? Um, and and like we talked about earlier. I think we both agree, you know, that whether or not we can we can uh, debate like specific cards, but like in general, I think we both really like the way the city deck plays and the way it affects the game and and adds some randomness. Without it's not like it's you know completely wild swings every turn. Yeah, and most of the stuff doesn't. I say most. I don't think any of it actually hoses any one particular player. Uh, maybe an argument can be made for like meeting at Alcatraz, um, but nothing is like, you know, the player to your right suffers X damage or, you know, something like that. It's always something that affects the whole board. Uh, yes. So that's, that's, that's nice. Yeah. That's a really good point too, uh, that I had, I hadn't really thought of, but, but yeah, like, like you said, it's not, you know, Oh, Hey, everybody to your right. Yeah. Um, and I think it's also fair to say, even with Prince, it like, None of the none of the events or even prints is going to be the one reason that like oh I lost the game because that happened like sure obviously prints coming out at a bad time for you or meeting at Alcatraz coming out at a really good time for you you know maybe kind of a tilting factor in the game but like there's going to be plenty of other stuff you know it's not going to be like oh man I was totally going to lose and then this one event happened and then I won you know right so cool. All right. Um, let's see what well, we got. We were just talking about this coming up in the pipeline. So we now know with last week's, uh, well, it was last week or this week. I'm losing yesterday, track. Of yeah, it was, it was, it was yesterday. yesterday. Okay, was, I'm losing recording. track Sorry. of my days behind the scenes. <laughs> uh, so we now, I believe, know the full contents of the Blood and Alchemy expansion. So we can kind of dive more into full strategies for Tremere, Thin Bloods, how they're going to integrate with what we have going on right now. So we'll get into the meat and potatoes of that. Uh, and then, you know, Gen Con's coming up. Uh, I think we're both now officially going. Uh, well, I'm not officially going yet. but Not I'm, officially I'm yet? All right. So, All right. I uh, am I've officially got, going. Yes, you are <laughs> You are officially going. I've still, I've got to, I think I'll be going. I've still got to work out my, my whole schedule. I've got it's just sure. gonna be a really busy a uh, couple months, but I really want to want to go and want to be there. I think yeah, moving moving is definitely gonna throw throw a wrench in, yes. in your schedule for a while. Moving, I got a friend, <laughs> I got a friend's wedding like the next week uh, in California. It's it's crazy. But um, speaking of Gen Con, I do want to say too they they showed the prizes. I, I don't remember. Oh yes, 
are those on the website? Yeah. Know? So they actually, um, uh, uh, it was funny cause we were actually talking about this on the, on the main server about, uh, we, we wanted Renegade to give us more concrete articles. Um, you know, something that's easily searchable on the website, you know, I can go look at previews and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden they came out with the prize article from, with the info from the weeks before stream about all the prizes and they are really good. Yeah. They're pretty They're They're definitely pretty. I'm, I'm, I mean, I was already, you know, I was already looking forward to it, but, you know, like some spot gloss and stuff. So anyway, point being, go check that out if you haven't seen it yet and you're interested in Gen Con, you know, um, it's it's up there. Go check out the streams uh, if you want to. I, I'm pretty sure they put them all on YouTube afterwards if you want to go see, uh, you know, the, the cards for Blood and Alchemy. I watched a little bit yesterday and they were talking about the, the Crypt Pack cards, so some of the other cards. And there are some there are some spicy vampires in there, I will say that. Yes, things are definitely going to get shaken up. Yeah, so, so I think we're 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 excited next. So like like you said, next week I think we'll talk about you know it it won't be so much like we did with the core set where we're just kind of reading out cards because if you want to do that, just go go, go read, watch go the, read the cards <laughs> exactly. Go watch the streams. Uh, but so we're going to be kind of I think focusing on okay, what you know maybe what does a Tremere deck look like? What does a Bin Blood deck look like? And how do they fit into the four? decks we already have mm -hmm. or the four the four factions i should say mm -hmm. yeah it's it's always kind of weird articulating like they're not they're not hard factions like they they all play together so it's always a fun thing that you can mix them all together uh and yeah if if you are having a hard time finding uh the prize article that's also on our facebook page uh, so go definitely go ahead and check that out there um but otherwise i think we'll leave you with that uh, i'll say good night and stay spooky, I think. Is that? Yeah, I think, I think that was the one you claimed. There we go. Well, I'm going to keep it going until somebody complains. So stay spooky. <laughs> All right. Have a good one.